Welcome to Meadowbrook Baptist Church this Sunday, May the 17th. We're glad you're here to worship with us. We ask that you join us as we sing. To God be the glory. Let's bow our heads in prayer, please. Father, we thank you for the beautiful day that you've given us today and for your goodness and blessings and mercy and kindness in our life. Uh, This is a day that you've made and you you have given it to us. And so we rejoice in it, Lord. We thank you for all that that you have done and... uh, and you're going to do in our lives. We praise you for being the God uh, who is awesome and majestic and is able to do uh, exceedingly abundantly above what we ask or think. And Father, we come to you not only thanking you, but also in the realization that we are sinners and that we come short of your glory and we fail you so many times, Lord, and we ask that you forgive us and cleanse us and help us be to be more determined uh, to live in a way that would please you and honor you in all that we say and do. Father, we continue to pray for those who need our prayers, those uh, who uh, have lost loved ones. We pray that you would be with those families uh, during this time of loss. Be Continue to be with those who need uh, healing, who, who are in the hospital. And, uh, and, Father, we just pray your blessings upon them. And, Father, we continue to pray for those that battle and, and deal with uh, this virus each day, that you would give them uh, strength and guidance uh, in, in their uh, fight. Uh, it, it, you'd be with those who are seeking for cures. Uh, give them wisdom and knowledge. And you'd be with our leaders as they continue to make decisions. We just pray, Father, that you'd give them wisdom uh, in the decisions that they make. 
And Father, we thank you for the privilege that we have together here today. And we pray that something might be said or done that would honor you and please you and would speak to someone in their need. Uh, if there be one that does not know Christ, we pray that this would be the hour of their decision. And we ask all of this in the name of Jesus. And for his sake we pray. Amen. Let's continue as we sing hymn 54, Great is Thy Faithfulness. That is, is a great song. Great is thy faithfulness. All that I have needed, thy hand has provided. Uh, whatever we need in life, uh, God can provide it for us. And uh, that's a wonderful, wonderful song. <clears throat> and we, again, appreciate you being uh, here with us uh, to, to worship today. A passenger in a taxi tapped the driver on the shoulder while he was driving down the road one day and the driver jumped because it scared him and then he screamed and then he lost control of the taxi for a moment and nearly hit a bus and then he ran the taxi up on the sidewalk and stopped just a few inches before he ran into a shop window for a moment, everything and everyone was quiet. 
They were silent. And then the driver and, and, and then the driver turned around and looked at the passenger and said, Don't you ever do that again. You scared the living daylights out of me. Well, the surprised passenger apologized to the taxi driver and then asked him, Well, I just didn't realize a little tap on the shoulder would cause someone to react the way you did. Uh, why did you respond that way? Well, said the taxi driver, this is my first day driving a taxi. For the past 25 years, I've been driving a hearse. <laughs> well, when you understand that, you can understand why the guy was so surprised that somebody tapped him on the shoulder uh, and why he reacted the way that he did. But honestly, life is scary, isn't it? Things happen. And who among us, who among us has not been tapped on the shoulder by trying circumstances from time to time? Everything can be going great. Everything can be fantastic in your life. Then all of a sudden there are changes that take place that bring you loss, pain, sorrow, and tragedy. In a moment's notice, life could deal you difficulties that could place you on the verge of losing control like the tax, taxi driver in this story. You could, as we found out in the last months, find yourself in the middle of a global pandemic. Uh, none of us would have ever thought that would have happened a few months ago, but now we do. But the question is, how will you get through these times? And who can help you get through these times when life scares you to death? Where will you look for help and for guidance and for understanding? This morning, I want you to think with me on this thought. When life scares the daylight out of you, and we're going to deal with it from this perspective, what do you do when, when life scares the daylights out of you? Well, this morning, I want us to read from 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 1 through 7, to find a biblical basis that will help us deal uh, with this question. Uh, so let's begin reading 2 Kings chapter 4 in verse 1. The wife of a man from the company of the prophets cried out to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that he revered the Lord. But now his creditor is coming to take my two boys as his slaves. Elisha replied to her, how, how can I help you? Tell me what do you have in your house. Your servant has nothing there at all, she said, except a little oil. Elisha said, go around and ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Don't ask for just a few. Then go inside and shut the door behind you and your sons. Pour oil into all the jars, and as each is filled, put it to one side. She left him, and afterwards shut the door behind her and her sons. They brought the jars to her, and she kept pouring. 
When all the jars were full, she said to her son, Bring me another one. But he replied, There is not a jar left. Then the oil stopped flowing. She went and told the man of God, and he said, Go, sell the oil and pay your debts. You and your sons can live on what is left. Now our text this morning introduces us to a woman who is in dire straits. She's unnamed. Her husband is also unnamed, but he was a prophet, a good man, a godly man. He had died and left his widow with two sons. Uh, ages are not told to us in the passage. Uh, but she had two boys uh, to have to support and deal with uh, at this point. In this day, few women were prepared physically, emotionally, or financially to become a widow. Added to this scenario uh, is the fact that the prophet left her debt and the creditors were waiting and wanting their money. According to Leviticus uh, chapter 25 verses 39 and 40, these creditors could have taken her sons. Uh, the creditors had threatened to come and do that and make slaves out of her sons in order to pay their father's debt. This widow was scared to death. She was without her husband and now faced the possibility of losing her sons. She had no money to pay the bills either. Life had really come at her fast. She was at rock bottom. She was at the end of her rope. And then she came to Elisha, the man of God. With Elisha's help, as we see in our text, she was not only able to pay her debt and keep her sons, but she was able to secure a stable future for herself as well. This morning, there may be someone listening to my voice and you're thinking, uh, along the lines of this woman. Preacher, I'm scared. I've got issues. I've got problems. I'm worried to death. I've got to do something, but I don't know what to do. I'm afraid I won't make it, and I fear I may lose my family or my marriage or something else that is dear to you. I need help. Life is scaring the daylights out of me. And so this morning, I want to share with you three truths, three practical truths, I believe, that we can learn from this passage that will help you deal with life. Three things you need to do. These three things were done by this troubled widow in this, pass in this passage. And I believe if you will do them, they will calm your fears and secure for you a great future. So when life scares the daylights out of you, first of all, let's notice this. Find someone to confide in. Find someone to confide in. We see that in verse 1. This widow woman in our text 
was mortified by the set of circumstances that she was dealt. She was greatly distressed. So she went to Elisha, the leader of the prophets, uh, because Elisha to her was a father figure. He was a father figure uh, to the company of the prophets. They uh, were called in many times in other passages the sons of the prophet. What they were were young prophets who were learning, young prophets who were in seminary or in Bible college, if you want to look at it like that. But Elisha was their mentor. He cared for them. He taught them. And he, he was very close to each of the prophets and to their families as well. And so the widow came to Elisha. Your servant, she said, my husband is dead. And you know how he revered God. But the creditors are coming and they want to take my two sons and make them slaves. And what she said, in essence, was this, I need help. Uh, we're not told in the passage how the prophet had died or even why the prophet had died. We don't know how he had accumulated this debt that he owed. Uh, could the debt have been incurred by the prophet to help someone? Possibly. We don't know the answer to that. Could the prophet have died because of his stand as a prophet? We don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us. Uh, we do know that this troubled widow came to Elisha and asked for help and guidance and advice, even solutions, because she feared her two sons would be taken from her. She came to Elisha. She confided in Elisha. She found another human being, another person, uh, and she sought their help. I think that's a good step when you're scared to death. That's a good step to do, uh, to follow, to begin with. And here's why. Very few people, perhaps no other, no other person, but very few people, can handle all the complexities of life on their own. We all need help. We all need someone that we can turn to, someone that we can lean on, someone to empathize with us, someone to encourage us, someone that we can share with, someone we can converse with. If we don't have someone like this, and life can really get tough and really scare the daylights out of us at any time. So we need someone that we can confide in. I remember reading years ago about Jackie Robinson. Jackie was the first Afro-American to play baseball in the majors. Breaking the color barrier often meant he faced hostile crowds. And one day in his own home stadium, Ebbets Field, Robinson committed an error, and the fans really got on him. They jeered, they booed, they hurled insults at him uh, while he was on the field. And Jackie was humiliated because of it. <coughs> it was then 
that his teammate, Pee Wee Reese, went over to him and stood beside him, put his arm around him. And when he did this, the crowd quietened down. And later, after the game, Robinson would tell the media that response from his teammate probably saved my career, is what Robinson said. Life is tough, and it's scary if you try to do it alone. We all need people that we can talk to. We all need people that will put their arms around us and console us and comfort us and encourage us and offer guidance. We need people to do what Pee Wee Reese did to Jackie Robson. We need people to stand beside us. And as believers in Jesus Christ, we have all of these resources. We have scripture that can help us deal with life. We have other believers who can put their arms around us. We have the Holy Spirit who is our comforter and our guide. We also have the ability to pray. And not only to pray, but when we pray, we have a great high priest, Jesus, the Bible said in Hebrews 4, who has gone through the heavens, who has gone through the heavens, and who in that same passage, passage says he sympathizes with our weakness. What does that mean? That means Jesus is not distant or detached from our life. He really cares. And in that passage, he tells us he really cares because he was tempted, the Bible said, in every way just as we are, yet without sin. Listen, heaven is not disinterested in what's happening in your life. In your time of need, you too can come boldly and frankly to the throne of God and make your requests known. So listen, when life scares the daylights out of you, first of all, do what this widow did. Find someone to confine in. Confide in. That leads us to a second truth. When life scares the daylights out of you, secondly of all, take a look at what you have in verse 2. Take a look at what you have. Well, the widow came to Elisha and he asked, How can I help you? And then the man of God followed that with another question. And that question was this. It may seem strange. Tell me what do you have in your house. Now that's, that's strange that he would ask that. What do you have in your house? But the woman answered, Your servant has nothing there at all, but listen, except a little oil. Now learn a great truth here that will help you in life many times. And this is what you need to learn. We all have something. She started out by saying nothing, 
But she wound up saying, well, a little oil. All of us have something. Uh, most of the time in the heat of the conflict, we think we have nothing. We think we have no resources. We think we have no help or no means. But in the end, what she thought was nothing was about to become everything. All she had was a little oil. But that little is all God ever needs. As believers and children of God, we are not without resources. We all have something in our life or in our possession. We need to identify it and we need to make it available to God. When our little is put into His hands, He can use it. He can multiply it. Some people say, okay, preacher, I do have some things, but what I have is so small and so insignificant I don't see how it can possibly be used to help me. I remind you, we serve a big God that often takes our little and produces a lot. Let me illustrate it this way. In the New Testament, in the Gospel of John, in chapter 6, a crowd of 5,000 men have gathered, not counting the women and children, and they've listened to Jesus teach all day. The people were hungry and the disciples wanted to send them home. He wanted, they wanted to send them away. But Jesus asked Philip a question. He said, where shall we buy food to feed all of these people? Where can we buy enough food to feed all of these people? Philip said... Uh, Eight months' wages. Eight months' wages would not buy enough food to, for each one of these people to have one bite. That's what he said. Eight months' wages would not buy enough food for all of these people to have one bite. And about that time, Andrew comes walking up, and he told them, there's a, there's a boy here, a boy here, and he has five small barley loaves and two, two small fish. But how far will they go among this many? Now five loaves and two fishes for thousands of people, that was so little, uh, that was so little to have to feed so many. But here's the problem. Here's the problem Philip had. Here's the problem Andrew had. Here's the problem we have today, I think. Philip and Andrew were listening and thinking of what they could do about taking these five loaves and two fishes and feeding 5,000. This is what they thought. And they were right. They couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. They saw the situation, but they did not see the solution. They were looking with eyes of flesh, not with eyes of faith. They looked at the lack, not at the Lord. They concentrated on the crisis and never considered the Christ. So what do we need to understand, what we need to understand rather, 
is what this widow came to understand. Nothing is little with God. Nothing. Nothing is little with God. While it was little to little men with little minds, it wasn't little to Jesus. Throughout the Bible, we are reminded that in the hands of God, little objects bring about large objectives. Little things are used for big tasks. God used a little teardrop, for instance, from the eye of a baby to soften the heart of Pharaoh's daughter. He used a little stone in David's sling uh, to slay a giant. He used a little meal and a little oil at Zarephath to feed an entire household for a year. And here, God is about to use a little oil from a widow to stabilize her present and to secure her future. What I'm saying is when life scares the daylights out of you, ask yourself, what's in my house? What do I have? And then give it to the Lord. Place it in His hands. We serve a big God that often takes the little that we have and produces a lot. Give what you have to our all-powerful, all-sufficient God and watch how He multiplies it. If you have a little faith, give it to Him. If you have a little trust, Give it to Him. If you have a little hope, give it to Him. He can take your little and move mountains. That's what He did with this widow. And that's what He can do with you. So what, what are you going to do when life scares the daylights out of you? First of all, find someone to confide in. Secondly of all, look at what you have and give it to God. And that brings us to a third truth and a final truth this morning. When life scares the daylights out of you, practice emptiness. Practice emptiness. And we see that in verses 3 through 7. The widow went to Elisha and gave her the word. And here's what the word was for this woman. Go around your neighborhood... And ask all your neighbors for empty jars. Not full jars now, empty jars. Don't ask for a few either, is what the prophet said. In other words, he's saying, get as many of them as you can. And then go inside and shut the door behind you with your sons. And with their help, you pour oil into all of these empty jars until each one is filled. And this was the prophet's guidance to the woman. Well, the widow left Elisha. He gathered, she gathered the empty jars. Then she went into her house and shut the door behind her and her sons and uh, behind her and her sons. And perhaps they may have prayed before they started this process. Then the boy started bringing her empty jars and she kept pouring that little bit of oil into a jar until she had it into the jar. When all the jars were full, when all the empty jars were full, 
Then, notice the Bible said, the oil stopped flowing. Then the man of God was approached again. And he told her, all right, take all of these full jars that you have, go sell the oil, pay your debts, and then you and your sons live on what is left. So what was the key to the, the removal of her fears? The key for removing her fears was surrounding herself with, notice, more emptiness. The jar of oil was the only item of value in the widow's house. Also note, the oil only stopped flowing uh, when there was no more vessels to fill. Then it stopped flowing. As long as the widow had an empty jar to put the oil in, the oil kept flowing. And it would have kept flowing till she ran out of empty jars. Her access to oil seemed to be limited only by her faith in securing from her neighbors empty vessels. If she could have obtained from her neighbor neighbors more empty vessels, then she would have had more oil. However, she did receive enough oil to pay off the debt and to sustain her family. Listen, the miracle of the oil in this story illustrates to me the care of God for those who are devoted wholeheartedly to the Lord. There's no need for a believer to give in to the fear and pressure of life. You don't have to give in to it. We have a Heavenly Father who cares for us. We need to cast our cares on Him. But herein lies the problem with us. We think we've got much emptiness when in reality we don't have enough emptiness. Before God can fill us with His abundant power and grace, we need to bring emptiness to Him. This means if our lives are full of other things, he can't fill us. So maybe we need to get alone somewhere and confess our sins and empty ourselves of all the sins and transgressions and iniquities that we have so God can fill us with the real things that we need to handle life. Sometimes God sends circumstances in our lives to scare the daylights out of us and get us empty so He can fill us and use us for His glory. George Mueller was the director of the Ashley Down Orphanage in England. And he was also a Christian evangelist. He lived in the 19th century. He was born in 1805 and he died in 1898. Uh, he was a man who exemplified emptiness of self. In his lifetime, he is said to have cared for 10,024 uh, 10, orphans. He was known, Mueller, for his great prayer life. He prayed about everything. 
He prayed about everything and he expected God to answer each prayer that he prayed. And there are many numerous stories of instances where God miraculously answered uh, this man's prayers when he made them. Sometimes they would run out of bread and he would pray. His response would be to pray to God to send bread and all of a sudden a bread truck would show up outside the orphanage. Hundreds of stories like this are told about Mueller and his prayer life. He was often asked about his extraordinary prayer life. And he, out, and he answered this way. There was a day, he said, when I died. I died to George Mueller. His opinions, his preference, his, ta- his taste, his will. I died to the world and, it, and its approval. I died to the approval of my friends. And since then I have studied only to be approved by God. Mueller understood the practice of emptiness. He continually emptied himself so God could fill him with his glorious purposes. So, you want to know how to keep life from scaring you to death this morning? Scaring the daylights out of you? You want to know how to keep life from scaring the daylights out of you? Use the example of the widow in this passage. She found someone to confide in. She took a look at what she had, a little oil, but God used it. She practiced emptiness. God then met her present need. He paid off her debt. And He also secured for her a future. And that future was that her and her sons would be taken care of. Listen, God wants to do this for all of His children. We need to trust Him. We need to lean on Him. We need to put our faith in Him. We need to give Him our all. And He will secure your future also. Let's bow our heads. Father, thank You for the privilege that we have together uh, today in Your house. And uh, we thank You for this Word. And we pray that You might help us take it and each of us to apply it uh, to our lives. And Lord, if there's one today and at the sound of my voice who, who does not know Christ as our personal Savior, I pray, Father, that you would speak to them. Uh, Father, that you would draw them to you, that you would help them to know how they can become a believer today. Father, uh, we pray that you would give them guidance on praying this, the, the sinner's prayer, a very simple prayer in which they say this, Lord, Lord, I am a sinner. I don't deserve to spend, I deserve to spend eternity separated from you. But I believe that Jesus is your son, that he died on the cross for me and paid my sins and rose on the third day. And I want to ask him to come into my life and save me and make me whole. Father, help them to know if they pray that prayer that you'll hear them and you'll save them. And Father, for others who are at the sound of my voice, Lord, who maybe are walking at a guilty and an unsafe distance, we pray they may be drawn 
back to you that they might live in a way that would honor and please you. And Father, we, we ask you to, to, uh, to save. We ask you to rededicate lives and bring them back to you. Uh, and Father, and we'll give you the glory and honor because you are worthy. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. We hope the service was a blessing to you. We hope it met a need in your life. Thanks for worshiping with us. If you've come to know Jesus as a result of this service, please call the church that we might send you some information that will help you in your growth as a Christian. Uh, again, have a great week. Be safe.